Welcome, everybody, to episode seven of Moscow Mules and Knob Slides. I'm Kyle. Hello, Kyle. I'm David. And we have a great co-host, one of my, one of my probably oldest friends, you know, uh, that I've known for beyond people I grew up with and people I went to undergrad with, uh, grad school. I mean, we've been out. I calculate we've been out for old, 14, 14 years. We've been out fourteen years. So we got we got we got BC over here or Brandon. I call him BC. I've known him as always BC. So Brandon, welcome. Hey, gl- glad to be here, guys. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so real quick for everybody that might be just jumping right to podcast seven, uh, what Moscow Mules and Opslides is is. Really, we take a deep dive into our friends in the cybersecurity community. We talk a little bit about things we like to sip and drink on, whether that's alcoholic beverages or your favorite coffee made by, you know, it's America Press, whatever it might be, like our last podcast. Um, And then we talk about their careers, their paths, their interests, their cybersecurity journey, whatever it might be. Maybe it's not even about that. Maybe it's whatever we decide it's about that day. But, uh. Yeah, so usually we kick it over to our uh, special guest of the day. So, BC, what are you drinking on this fine, fine evening? Now, I decided to go simple today. I decided to get a glass, a large piece of ice, frozen specifically for this purpose, and pour some Elijah Craig small batch into it. I'm typically a, uh, I like the high corn content of Elijah Craig. I missed the Elijah Craig 12, um, but, you know, small batch I like to do, so... Keep it simple today. I thought about adding some um, some cream, some Kahlua. That's all I had in my refrigerator. But uh, you know, why that look greatness? <laughs> this is a small batch. Is that is that? I saw the twelve years. Is, that, is it twelve years age? Uh, the twelve year no longer exists. At least for really? stores, you can find it at a few bars if you know where to look. But uh, huh. so if you find a bottle, please ask me for my address. <laughs> That's, that's funny because that's what got me drinking bourbon back in the day was the Elijah Craig 12 year at the place on Wisconsin street by the Russian embassy. There's a bourbon bar. I think it might be called bourbon. I don't know what it's called. Fact I don't check even know if it exists. <laughs> Fact yeah, check. It's happening already. across from the whole foods that was there. <laughs> I just know it's by the Russian embassy. Can't forget that. Bourbon by a Russian embassy. You know, it seems uh, counterintuitive, but you know, Hey, right. It should be a vodka joint. <laughs> What, what 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 does an Elijah Craig taste like uh, in comparison to any other bourbon? Not not being like a heavy bourbon drinker, like what what can I expect from an Elijah Craig? Like is it, so is it really my go to if I'm just drinking for the sake of drinking and I want something that tastes. I like smooth bourbon, so I'll go with the Glenmorangie, which is a a, a single malt Scotch from Moet Hennessy. Um, it's a lot smoother taste than most scotches, and I find that I like that smooth taste from my scotches bourbons more than I like the bite unless the bite comes at the very end so like the Balvenie 12 year has that nice after bite on like the back left side of your tongue the Elijah Craig won't have that it's a lot smoother so to me it's more drinkable on a daily basis not that I drink daily no judgment at all <laughs> that sounds Can't like a bourbon say I'm in that category so wait so you're just drinking it straight up I mean there's ice there yes oh yeah I mean it's ice. <laughs> on the big rock so wait, you put cream in your bourbon, or you have? So I was looking for a, a drink specifically for this purpose. You know, for you guys, mm-hmm. I'm like, let me find something that works out great. And I found this thing called a duck fart shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one for shots, though. I like to actually sip and appreciate alcohol. 
And so the duck fart is a layer of Kahlua, followed by a layer of cream, followed by a layer of your favorite whiskey scotch. Um, and then you shoot it. Mm. It looks really good in the photos. Um, however, I was like, you know, I'm not going to shoot this. I'm going to actually enjoy this during the podcast. So forgive me for not going to the duck fart route. <laughs> duck fart shot. First of all, you would have been done and we'd be like, and he's done with his drink. So 15-minute <laughs> podcast is over. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Yeah, but... <laughs> Out you go. <laughs> Next guest. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I remember I got in the bourbon right before I left D.C. five years ago, and, and then I was heavy on it. And then I got in the, the Moscow Mule route, and that's where this idea kind of spawned out that's of. That's where I first had whiskey of any type was in D.C. There is this place called the Columbia Room. It was a, a real high-end, like high-end Japanese-themed bar, but it was inside of a dive bar. So you walk into this dive <laughs> bar, you walk to the very back of the dive bar, knock on the door, and they slide it back and say, "Welcome to the Columbia Room." And you walk. So like in. a speakeasy. Uh, yeah, it's like a speakeasy, but it's a soundproof room. Huh. You have um, it's very tranquil. There's only 16 seats in there, and they custom make your drinks for you. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, to check that out. Yeah, seriously. If it's still there, I would recommend going if you're in DC. What's that called again? One more time. The Columbia Room. The Columbia Room. Columbia Room. Yeah, this was uh, I probably how long I've been in Houston for at least six, seven years ago. Like six, seven years ago. <laughs> so you're in Houston now. I am in Houston now. Ooh, wee. Oh, I gotta write that down. I'm gonna take it's show hot. notes. It's hot down here. Yeah, what's it, what's it like today? It was on a cool side of here. It was like 75, nice and like partly cloudy. Yeah, it was on the cool side of here too. You know, low 90s, high humidity. <laughs> Swish. You walk outside, you got to chew the air before you breathe it, and you're sweating before you get to your car. Yeah, the, the crazy thing about it is we feel good about walking in the evenings when it hits your mid-80s. Oh, this is a nice, a nice breeze. Yeah. It's not super humid though down there, right? It, it's more like that oven heat. Nice, no, very humid. Um, oh, really? Yeah, we're close to the Gulf of Mexico, so the oh, Gulf right. of Mexico is maybe, maybe an hour away, if that, from where I am right now. So you're getting all the humidity. So it's not like San Antonio, where it's like you're inland a little bit and it's hot. Yeah, it's a lot drier heat, closer to your base kind of heat. This is purely, you walk outside, you're drenched. If you don't have AC in your car, I just will pray for you. <laughs> because <laughs> i've been there in high school so you know i i empathize oh yeah i was there in my 20s i lost air conditioning in my car I didn't get... <laughs> wait i mean your car you had in, in pittsburgh did it have ac or did we it just did. always roll the window down i think we always had the windows down it had ac it didn't have heat <laughs> the heat went out during second year i think <laughs> oh man i feel like you did that backwards <laughs> yeah. yeah i didn't drive in the winter time though so i think i drove once when it snowed uh, to pick my fiance, then now wife up from the airport, and after that, I say no, never again. We'll we'll pay for whatever we pay for to get you here safely. Yep. And Houston, you didn't drive in the snow. You didn't have to drive though, because like the ID, the CMU ID, got you on the bus. That was the best part. Oh yeah, that, that was sweet. And you guys lived right off the bus stop. I remember that. You guys oh, lived yeah, right. Uh, great. He lives right across from like he used to live right across from Mad Max in those apartment buildings right there. Oh man, what a terrible stop that would have been. <laughs> What an awful location. I was always like, hey, let's have study groups at your ass place because they're <laughs> close to the bars. Oh, yeah. It was good walking distance. Exactly. Walking distance. Yeah. yeah. Throw out like a baseball head. Kyle, I, you need to tell your wife that I also can appreciate a bottle of machete. 
Oh, do you know it? All right. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> Full circle. Out of nowhere. Jesus, man. That's a, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, I'll, I'll tell her that. It's a good segue, which is funny. is like, so Beast and I have been friends, you know, and then he was like doing what outreach on like LinkedIn for like, or like some like ISPM group. And he hit up Dina and he's like, hey, I'm ISPM, whatever. And then she came over to me and she's like, do you know a Brandon Carson? I was like, BC? I'm like, yeah, how do you know? She's like, he just added me, like, we're just talking on LinkedIn. And then she's like, you know my husband. And he's like, who? Kyle. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> small world, man. The ISPM world, small world. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, a bottle of orange hatch and the artwork is definitely a win. Oh, yeah. Artwork is great. It's great. Which is the same thing. I, I, I'm not drinking that tonight, but uh, Dave, you brought, talked about that beer last week. I found it at the brewery, the one with the uh, – what did you drink last week? What was the name of that brewery? Nightmare. Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a Gosa from them. I'm not drinking it tonight. But. Oh, it's going to be good. That's, that's but the, but a, the artwork on the house. can was, like, ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous and murdersome, and there's just – there's really no other way to describe it. It's, it's basically, you know, nightmare – artwork on a nightmare brewing label so they've they've done really well uh hitting their their marketing goals there i believe <laughs> i mean it, you know it's grotesque but you can appreciate it it's like it's solid artwork it's not like trash really done or anything like that yep. and it's like scripting so it kind of feels like you're reading like an old you know i don't know pirate book or something yeah it's got that old feel to it old world feel uh, yeah you got the machete i didn't have any that night i think i think she drank that some that night and the next night yes it's Maybe over a week. <laughs> no judgment zone. No judgment zone. I like that. I might be a sticker. No judgment zone. Man. Well, bourbon, that's, uh, I love myself some bourbon. That's actually how I got into craft stuff. We're starting drinking barrel aged beer, like, you know, stouts, barrel aged. I was like, yeah. I can get on this 12% in one 16 ounce can. I only have to have one beer tonight. Like, I'm good to go. And Kyle, you know my philosophy, man. Return on my investment. I need yeah. smaller quantities, larger punch. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That's why I have my like 6% minimum for any beer I drink because I'm like, I want my bang for my buck. Man. And that's and true. You'd be proud of me. I went to uh, some buddies of mine down here. Like they were from Austin and they're big into the beer scene near a couple of small breweries here. So they took me and I'm like, this is a whole new world. You know, I, I had no clue that breweries were so intense when there were so many options. It was like a whole new school experience. Where'd you go? Um, Did you go in Austin or Houston? Houston. Oh, okay. There, there are two or three here. Um, gosh, I forget the names of them. But what's the one? What's the one you want to go to in Austin? Jester King. Uh, Can't wait to get there. We'll get there next time, maybe. One day. Yeah. Yeah. There's good. There's a good scene all over. You just gotta have to get into it, I guess. And and you're right. There's there's a lot of competition as far as like, I don't know. Once once someone's name or brand or, or one style of beer really catches on, like you're, you might have to like really trade, and really barter in or or, or pay secondary market dollars for for that sort of thing on the the hidden Facebook groups, etc. You know wherever they are. But completely agree. Yeah, they, they actually carry some of the smaller breweries who kind of quote unquote made it in local grocery stores now too. So that's helpful. Yeah, that's always healthy. That was nice seeing Hitchhiker out, out here in Pittsburgh when, when Hitchhiker finally started showing up in the Giant Eagle and I didn't have to go stand in line at the brewery for a release like I did for Dancing Gnome. Like that's that's the kind of a growth you want to see. Something something small and healthy. A grocery store is a perfect place to, to end up with your product first. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. 
But I wish Actually, that, you could buy beer in the grocery store. Yeah. You, you, you used to couldn't be able to do that in Pittsburgh. Or Pennsylvania. Remember? <laughs> I remember. I remember. No. <laughs> so what are you sipping on there? Oh, geez. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to go too heavy tonight. Um, I got to drive to Maryland tomorrow. Got a got a, a, a week at the beach here coming up. But um, I was recommended some stuff from New Trail Brewing out here in, in Pennsylvania. Um, they were out in Williamsport. Uh, it's called Broken Heels Hazy IPA. 16 ounces and 7%. So it should be pretty good. And we're going to dump that boy into uh, one of my new glasses. This is the uh, permanent hangover uh, brand dad of the year glass. Uh, it's basically like a prescription label uh, on a beer glass uh, where it's, it's uh, prescribed to the dad of the year. It's numbing juice, 16 ounce pour, uh, ingest orally at least three times daily as needed for disappointment and regret. So we're going to, we're going to use this glass. And uh, I thought it was very fitting for father's day. So here we go. Uh, hats off to all the dads. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, if it was to my to dad, dads. I would be drinking, uh, you know, my, my dad would want to drink uh, some sort of stinky European Pilsner like uh, Heineken or Grosch. I don't have any of that. And I don't have enough to, you know, catch a buzz off of it either. So we're going to fire this down. So happy Father's Day, everybody. Kyle, right, I'll pass it off to you while I sip this. Your first Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, BC. First one, man. Yeah, off the I, gate. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yes, um, definitely a, a, a job on top of jobs you didn't even have to do like the the school uh you know school homeschooling i guess sorry i'm not drunk yet uh, still can't talk yeah the crazy thing about all this like you know this uh this lockdown for covid has actually been really helpful from a, a family unit standpoint you know getting to spend so much time with my new daughter and my wife all together it's been great honestly just from we can't really do anything else so we're focused on each other. So I appreciate that. No, that's cool. And also you're in a really good spot here. At, uh, you, you said you have a, a younger daughter. So like those, those first couple months, like it's hard to explain, like I didn't like them. They're not for me, but they, they don't come back around. Right. That's, that's yeah. something where you're, you're completely developmentally never going to hit that again. Yeah. Once they start walking and talking, it almost feels like the same thing over and over again. And then the trolling increases and the you know, <laughs> mental anguish also increases. So that's a good point. I told him to write a book about the things his three-year-old son says. The only place that I have those stored, unfortunately, is in the Google chats that, that you and I uh, have. Yeah, they're <laughs> classic. I'll have to yeah. mine them, man. They're just, he's, my three-year-old's just got so much auto troll mode. I can't it's stop just, it. It's classic. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's classic. They're great, but they're, they're work, man. You know that. Can't, yeah, can't it. It's been cool so far. I've definitely enjoyed fatherhood and, you know. You're right. You don't get this time back. It's not the most fun, but I, I love it. Yeah. You know, you know, it's small. You learn to appreciate the small things like sleep. <laughs> I forgot about that part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I appreciate getting four hours of straight sleep. You know, before I would have complained about that. Now my perspective has changed. Yeah, it'll turn. You know, there's there's a point where like it's gonna turn into like six or like eight, and you're like yeah. ten, and you're just She's like. She's a Holy crap. and she every now and then she'll say, you know, I'm going to be great tonight and do nine. Oh my gosh. And I get concerned. I haven't woken up yet. Uh-huh. Right. And you're like checking the monitors and you're like, oh man. Oh no. What did I do? Oh no. She's still breathing. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> now walk away slowly. Yes. Get, get out of the room. Man, I, uh, I hat, hat tips to all the fathers and you guys. I uh, can't even imagine not going to cross those bridges in my uh, you know, in, in my 
lifetime. Dog dads count though. So ironically, I picked a new trail brewing beer as well. Oh, did you? Oh, that's awesome. So I uh, went to this local beer store the other day, this past weekend, uh, we were going to some friend's house and I was like, oh, I'll go to the beer store. And they have like this little shelf where they have all the like really good craft brew. And I was like, this is awesome. They're like, oh yeah, we just started doing this recently. And I was like, yeah, I know. Cause you guys didn't have shit last time I came in here. And I was, I was like, when's your guys delivery? He's like Tuesday. So like I trained Wednesday. So Wednesday I went up after training and I just sat there for like 15 minutes, like looking up all 4.0 beers on tap. And I was like, this one looked pretty good. Cause I'm looking for like those hazy, like the, let me get it in my, let me pour it in the glass and look like orange juice. And I think this might be one of those, but I also got a new glass cause I couldn't be outdone by David and his glassware. So you know, he kind of got me in that. Sorry, man. Game. It's, it's a terrible game. I saw this one and I bought it like immediately and it came earlier this week and I was like, this is great. But I got my Wu-Tang. Oh, nice. <laughs> glass. And it has like the, the Shaolin Warriors on the side and the, uh, you know, the bee comb. But, uh, and then inside the Wu-Tang W is like some hop leaves. It's pretty legit. It's, I think it's, it's a great it's glass. Throwback right there. Oh, yeah. So I when you were Wu-Tang every I'm now sorry. and then, little mm -hmm. doc, the Rock Wilder going into training gets you pumped up a little bit. Little Method Man, Red Man. <laughs> I remember when you used to sit inside the lounge when we'd be studying, listening to uh, Young Jock. Yes. On repeat on Pandora was Young Jack and Kenny G. <laughs> <laughs> did they do no I'm sorry, people. did they do collaboration work or is that just we could only wish. <laughs> <laughs> this guy would also be able to like do work and like had the Bluetooth in and talk to his, you know, then uh fiance on the phone too. Like would come in, I'm like I thought he was talking to himself. But no, I'm just talking to Brandy on the phone. I'm like Aren't you studying too? He's like, yeah, I'm studying too. I'm like, man, I don't know how your brain works, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I've had, I found that I have a very unique ability to do other things and still retain information. Like, you remember DMUU, Kyle? I played games the entire class. A C minus in that class, and I studied. I got an A. This guy probably rolled out with an A, probably. Yeah, there he goes. I love that class. That was the worst class I ever took. <laughs> It's all stats and bullshit and Excel. I ain't kidding. I it's funny how like your brain works though. Like you, you can walk into a room of, um, I mean, the, the one guy we had on uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, my buddy Dale would listen to just um, dance music, like EDM stuff. And you could hear it through his headphones while he's working. And like, I don't know how you can focus on what your work is. I mean, like uh, electronic music I get, but like I've tried to do like hip hop and rap at work. And like, I'm trying to focus on lyrics instead of like yeah. my work and I just get lost. But, you know, I think it, I think it comes down to, it was a song that I, I know. I knew every lyric to that song, so I didn't think about it. So it kind of had the same feel as any kind of EDM or any type of oh, that's a good song that didn't have any words. So it was all just sounds. Yeah, that's a good point. I, 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 I guess the, I have a lot of albums where I just have listened to the crap out of over the years where I can pretty much agree with you, where you just kind of zone in. Like you hear it as background, right? And you're not trying to catch on like what the what the message really is. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite for for like work and, and kind of music you're into, other than you know Kenny G, and Young Jock, <laughs> young, young Jock and does Kenny he, G? Does, does he go? I don't think he goes by Young Jock anymore. <laughs> I want that like 2007. Mixtape. Yeah, I think he's just Jock now. You is know, I've kind of changed the scene. You know, I've grown up a little bit, so. <laughs> I hope he doesn't um, be he doesn't be old Jock someday. <laughs> Maybe he will. Good, good marketing there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like music-wise, my my wife kind of controls the music in our house now. And if we're in the car, her her phone's connected to all the Bluetooth, so I just whatever she has on. If if I had the opportunity, I'll go back to some authentic old school Houston music. Yeah. She's got from Houston originally, so okay, so it's a nice nostalgic oh, cool. moment for me. But you know, I do like I never forget this one trip. Uh, Cal, you probably remember this. We were driving. We drove from D from uh, Pittsburgh to DC for a uh, SFS conference. The entire way, Kyle played T Pain over and over and over. <laughs> the entire. I don't trip. remember this, but. <laughs> I love it, man. Buy you a drink. Over again. Over again. Uh, so there's a song I want at our wedding. Like this guy did this like acoustic remix of like a mashup of T Pray. I'll send it to you later, BC. It's actually really good, but it's like a mashup acoustic style. And I was like, I kept trying to get it in our wedding, and I, I tried it like every which way. Dude is like, no, no, no. <laughs> every now and then, I'll like, well, like be sitting around, and I'm like, oh, I got a song I want to play. And I was like, oh, let's go. Oh man, I did. I love T Pain back in the day. I don't. I mean, I still do. But like that, those I those formative years of two thousand seven, T Pain were great. Yeah, he was like on everyone's track. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the height of T Pain. Yeah, I will never forget that because we heard the same song for at least two hours. Oh man, that's great. I'll bring happen. that back. I'll bring that back. So, what's yours taste like, Belaska? uh man nice it's nice smooth um oh man hold on let me get back in here uh let's say uh delicate i will go with delicate okay. uh, it's very hazy a little juicy uh the hop the hops don't really you know destroy the the ipa taste to it but it's uh it's nice did did you happen to catch the um i think it's called either firefly or lightning bug that these guys did no uh, it was in like a, it's like a purple can or something. It's like a campfire or something on the front of it. There was a, a label. I got one of those. Uh, the same guys that recommended me this one at my local beer store also pushed that new trail one on me. That was really good too. That was a nice little, nice little Jimmy Jam. Well, how about yours? What are you doing there? Yeah, I mean, uh, smooth, tropical, uh, not very hoppy, nice and like, looks like a big glass of OJ. That's what I'm talking about. I, I hate, I hate, like, for the record, I hated IPAs a year ago. Mm -hmm. I hated them. I now I crave them. Like, I seek them out. Like, I, I, I taste it at, like, 9 a.m., and I said, this is a, probably a problem. I can't wait till 5 p.m. to have one. Do you ever ask the bartender to, uh, you know, T-Pain bartender want to buy you a drink? No, but I, I, I'm I trying to joking. crowbar some T-Pain in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, man. So you two went to school together? Did you go grad school or, or uh, regular school? Yeah, I don't know. Grad school. Yeah, grad school. Grad school with the melon. I still remember, like, one of the, like, I don't have memory of memories from back in the day, but I remember rolling up, because I got into grad school late, and uh, there something was going on, and orientation already started for something, and I came in late, and and uh, BC and Doug were sitting on the front steps of, like, Hamburg Hall, and I was like, hey, I'm Kyle. He's like, hey, I'm BC. And I was like, hey, I'm Doug. And I was like, cool. That was it. Right after that, <laughs> now I have a crew. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> friends. Let me tell you, we were literally in every class we were in. We were always in groups together for two years straight. Like, and everyone knew it, so there was no questioning when there was group work. Who was in the group? It was like there were three people. 
we had a group. If there were four, we had to figure out who we wanted to add to our team. <laughs> That's true. We're recruiting people. Would you I remember, say that working with Kyle was an advantage or a disadvantage <laughs> to your activities? It was definitely an advantage, man. Like, there you go. Definitely. Kyle's so, a good kid. I think after our first class together, the three of us figured out how we all work and knew our strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And then from that point on, it didn't need to be even stated. So we knew what we needed to do, and everybody just broke and came back to the team and contributed. Yeah, I don't think we ever, like, said, okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. I think we just knew who was going to take what and just do it. Like, I don't really think we ever game planned after no, the first spike. No, we wrote, we wrote papers without even planning. No, yeah. I think you, you and Doug did research and would send things to me, and I would somehow make a one-page document into, like, five pages. Yep, it's great. We had one class. Do you remember uh, Privacy in the Digital Age? Alessandro Acquisti, yes. And with with uh, uh, Sasha oh, as a TA. Yeah. Mm. He, it was a, he was like a PhD candidate. Scary. I, th- I think he works for Rand. Don't quote me. Dina actually knows him from doing work she did. She met him like through the, through the meetings. But anyways, he was like one of those like TAs that would like grill you worse than the, the professor would mm-hmm. for everything you would do. And we had like a, we did a presentation on quantum cartography. Yeah. Yep. It was like cutting edge and we're like, this was like, cool. It, yeah, it was, it was before it was cool, and like we explained, and he didn't ask one question. We got out there, and like we did it, the presentation, and like the paper, and like he didn't ask one, and we walked away. We're like, that's right. Yeah, we win. <laughs> we win. That's crazy. I remember that. Was that was was quantum cryptography one of those like required classes, or how did y'all end up in that? Because that, I mean, like you said before, it was hot. So you're talking about two thousand. You said seven, eight, nine. Yeah, no, no. It was a class called Privacy in the Digital Age. Yeah, yeah. So like we did, a, we did do. I don't know how the topic was something. We picked it. We did we? I don't. Know. We we picked it. No, Kyle picked it. <laughs> Kyle picked it. I, I mean, if you had that good, I don't know who picked it, but it, I recall because we were. I, was, I had no idea. Kyle was like, "Hey, I found quantum photography. This sounds cool. Let's write about it." We're like, "Cool, let's go." That's the extent of our research and planning. That's the funny yeah. thing about Kyle. Like, I, I found that, like, he'll just, like, walk into something and be like, hey, let's just do stuff. And you're like, yeah, okay. And just, you know, I, I don't know if it's he, – he's got good foresight in that category or just – Yes, yeah, so, so I doubt it. Definitely a soothsayer. <laughs> yeah, soothsayer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. Oh, man. Party email was fun. I hated Pittsburgh, though. Like, the cold, man. I mean, you had it the cold. It was cold. Like, the city itself was – was really nice, but the six months of the year when it was dismal, cold, and dreary, it was horrible. You might be disappointed to find out that we've upped our six months to about nine or ten at this point. So, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, right? And then you have to go for the gold, right? We are straight dismal at least nine months of the year now. It it just rains. So all it's the time. so it snowed beginning of May. Yeah, not just like the flurries. It put like three inches on the ground. That's just <laughs> beginning of May. And by like beginning of June, it was like 95 degrees out, like we had a few weeks ago. It was insane. Yeah, That's now it hasn't rained for three weeks. So, yeah, then it hasn't rained. Whatever. I guess it maybe beats for some people 95 degrees in humidity. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, we get those hot 90 degree days where it's like, I woke up the other morning, like a couple weeks ago, and it was like, 70 degrees out but like 96 percent humidity i was like what the 
<laughs> what? It's, it's like 7.30 a.m. And there's no rain, right? <laughs> no, no, not a single drop. I was like, I'm not going outside. I let the dogs out and I shut the door real quick. I'm like, staying inside. Great confusion. Like deep South stuff there. That shouldn't yeah, happen here. So, so Brandon, like, what do you, what, what do you do? Like, what are your, what are your, I don't know, what's your cyber uh, background? Um, see, because so, I don't know. You're not my friend. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, full disclosure. I don't know you. <laughs> so I got into cyber. So undergrad, I went to Morehouse College, um, majored in computer science. And as part of my scholarship program I was in, I had to do research. And so my freshman year, my research, uh, the guy I was working with, he was like, hey, security is the next big thing. You should, you should love it. You should, I'm like, you know, whatever. You're cool. You, you're an old guy who seems, you look like you know what you're talking about. So security <laughs> it is. <laughs> Did he have the patches yeah. on his jacket, on his elbows? Um, he did. See? He did have patches. And a <laughs> beard? And glasses? No beard. Yes, glasses. Large mustache. Oh, yeah. Those are the smartest guys. <laughs> yeah, those are you. And so from that point, I'm like, okay, security it is. And then um, I graduated undergrad. I worked for a nonprofit for a year, tutoring math in inner city schools in Atlanta. And then our friend Doug that Cal mentioned was like, hey, you should go to grad school and apply to Carnegie Mellon. I was like, hey, why not? <laughs> so I applied, <laughs> I applied to Carnegie Mellon. And lo and behold, I got in and got a scholarship. And um, then I went to Pittsburgh. And, and then you, you had a, a miserable two years of existence. <laughs> yeah. And, but, you know, I, I originally applied to the information systems program. But I was like, you know, let me go to be a tech consultant mm-hmm. with everybody else. Work at one of the big four. And oh, that's right. My life. I was going to do a security focus. Then I got an email from the dean or whoever it was. It was Ann English. And I'm not sure what her job was then, but she was like, hey, with the scholarship program, if you switch to the security program, I'm like, free school, Carnegie Mellon? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> what program? I can do art if you want me to. Art management. <laughs> <laughs> art management. And so got into that, and the program was great. I think I you know, learned a lot going through the program. And then I uh, went to work for the government for a couple of years, which, well, my plan was two years and then it ended up being about six or seven. Um, I was getting married in between grad school and working. So, you know, there was a lot going on in that 08 time frame. Yeah. Do you, do you have any regrets about going to, to grad school? Like, do you feel like it was actually worthwhile at some point? Yeah, no, no, no regrets. And, you know, when I was working at the nonprofit, I planned to go to grad school. I just didn't have any, you know, I didn't really know where. I applied to two schools, Georgia Tech and Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. And so, not two bad schools right there. <laughs> and Georgia Tech letter came first. I was, I was, I was distraught. Okay, fifty percent chance. They said no. I'm, okay, I have one more egg in this basket, and didn't otherwise call my parents and say, "Sorry, um, I need to figure something else out in life." <laughs> <laughs> I got to do Wait, something. So Georgia Tech else. said no. Yeah, I applied to their HCI program, so human computer uh, interaction. Holy crap! So yeah, I had two like random random uh, interest from a computer perspective, but I hated computers, which is really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hated computers. <laughs> so, how, I, so I happen to be so good at it. Other, other than the mustache dude with the, with the leather jacket, you know, elbow patches, like what you so, just, you just like kind of fell into it. So in high school, I, I took two computer science classes and I was really good at it, but I realized I didn't like this. You know, I didn't like technology. I like people side of it more yeah. than I like the actual coding aspect. So mm-hmm. after undergrad, I will never be a coder. 
which is why I want to go to grad school so I can find a way to get a degree and not code. And the ironic part about all that was second year of grad school, I ended up learning two languages that I hadn't learned before and coding in them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's yeah. right. Your internship, you all you did was write Python. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the ironic part about all that. <laughs> I don't like coding either. That's why I don't code. Yeah, yeah. Just reverse it. <laughs> Undo code. Undo code. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's been cool. Like security, I think well, I get the chance to kind of go around and learn different skills in the government, um, different types of offices and learn different skills in cybersecurity space. And now I'm working on a team that's responsible for SDL process for a, a, for a private company. And my boss's job is to figure out how to infuse SDL into all of our products. And so I'm looking at their dynamic stuff, their static stuff, um, some of their pen testing stuff, training as well, and some of the policy stuff around open source. So I get the chance to kind of do a lot of different things with my teammates versus just I'm in a cube doing one thing all the time. And, you know, it's kind of the test. I'm more of a people person. It happens to be pseudo good at you know to technology and computers. I, <laughs> so I, a, I feel so that. <laughs> there's two good segues there, and what the first one I'll talk about is like the the segue to like people person. So BC, like I think you did like you know you did planning stuff when you were in undergrad, but when we were in grad school, we planned also oh. not only did we work <laughs> on product, we planned like every. I guess you would call it a gala that like every semester, yes. like a big sort of like homecoming. <laughs> For Heinz College, they every call it the semester. prom. Yeah, <laughs> we planned like these extravagant parties because we were given like I don't know how much we were given like seven grand a semester to play these things. It was fifteen k every semester for us to go throw a party for yeah. about three hundred students. It was great. We did it for all four semesters we were there. It was the best thing. We would go like I mean from soldiers and sailors and I don't remember all the places. That's one of the places I remember. But we just we just like. It was like it was like having like a candy store like of things and DJs and this and that and like it was fun it was fun to do and not only that we got all the free drink tickets too. Y'all didn't get T Pain to DJ. No, no, he wasn't available. <laughs> he might be available nowadays, but not back then. <laughs> He's on fire. <laughs> I mean, T Pain's still good. I just you know, 07 was the y'all see y'all see that commercial he did for the uh, the laptop company. No. That, no, I didn't oh, see it. Oh, <laughs> I got to send that out. So basically, uh, the, the premise of the commercial is, I think it might have been IBM or Dell, came out with this this computer that had, like, uh, spill-proof technology. Like, you could just, like, eat all this stuff on it or spill whatever. And it had it had no impact to the laptop's performance, right? So T, they, they get T-Pain as a consultant to kind of give, a you know, an opinion about what the what the laptop is. And he looks at it and he goes, he's eating this massive, like, submarine sandwich. Like, this just... He's eating a 12-inch sandwich, right? And he takes a bio sandwich. He goes, everything in the computer needs my face on it. And he's spitting all these crumbs all over everything. And he gets up and he's like, T-Pain out. And he throws his sandwich on the on the laptop. This guy walks out and they're like, oh, spill-proof technology. Brought to you by Dell. <laughs> and like, that's the last I've seen of T-Pain. I, I have not seen him anywhere except in uh, YouTube reruns. I did see him on that mask show, and that's when I found out like he like fell into hard times. I had no, no he idea. Wasn't. I, what, I felt, which one was he? I, this was a couple of seasons ago, and no, there was, was like was, the backstory is like oh like I fell in hard times, and I was like this isn't. Everybody's like it's T Pain. I'm like that's not T Pain. I still see T Pain like producing stuff every now and then, right? I don't know what it was. I don't know what he did. He might have. I don't know who. Knew what, 
I looked that up real fast. Yeah, man. Those are, if, if we ever go back to Pittsburgh and throw some Heinz farms, we can definitely try to get T-Pain this time. <laughs> T-Pain. He dressed this up one. as a one-eyed monster with horns, it looks like. Yeah. According to my I think we, we did – um, there out of the four we did, there was a – we did themes too. So we did a red tie with the red tie affair. Mm-hmm. We did the masquerade where everyone wore a masquerade mask. Yep. Um, was there any significance to red tie? Um, no. no if, I think it was like <laughs> – No, I, think I it was just a, did it. I think it was a play on black tie. Affair. Black tie, yeah. We went out and all the ties. Yeah, I have, I have pictures that are set up in those albums. Oh man, yeah. Gosh, I don't remember. Uh, oh, <laughs> you're black. all like dipping into dipping into your memory banks. Like I, I can no, see I have, the wheels. I have a folder in my like deep into my pictures, black and white soiree. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the last? The last one we did, we got like this big ballroom for free because they didn't book it at that nice hotel down. It was like right down. Oh, the Omni probably. Omni it might have been the Omni. It, it was the Omni because we had the okay. small room to the side and then they gave us the big room with the balcony upstairs. Bowling. I don't whew. I don't remember all this. Because you could walk <laughs> in and say, hey. Of course you don't. It was a good time. We had free drinks like literally oh, man. the entire night because we were the committee. And yeah, we could throw out the dank tickets. <laughs> yeah, we were like we were in control, or we knew the lady. That real nice. I mean, I forget her. I think she retired like five, six, seven years ago. Not Betty Casale. Yeah, that's it. Oh, there you go. So, Did, were you, were you like a consultant Dale, at all? Like Dale, he has like a memory of an elephant. It's unbelievable. I have. So you weren't like a consultant or anything when you talk about your government life for like two years. No, like, no. What? I actually quit from the government um, to go to move to Houston, my wife, and start our own company doing event planning for galas and weddings. That's awesome. <laughs> Complete trajectory shift. At least you had some experience, it sounds like. Yeah, man. It's, it's, and then um, <laughs> after a few years, I think we moved to Houston in 2013, I think. Yeah, 2013. And then 2016, I decided to get back into the cyberspace. So you're saying you got out, did something else completely different for a couple of years, and then came back. Exactly, yes. Did you feel like you lost a step or anything? Like, how, how different did, did you feel the world so, was? I think the industry, so yes, I, I did feel like I lost a step, but I think it was more so I lost opportunity to develop new things. So when I was in um, the government, I had transitioned out of technical roles. <laughs> Good say. Sorry, I'm drinking beers over here. I, I just popped this one. It hey, foamed everywhere. Never wasted. Mm-mm. So I got into the marketing side of things and then client relationship management. So I was on the software skill side of cyber already. And that was where I saw my career going. Yeah. Um, so engagement. So not through technical stuff at all, but I had a good enough understanding that I could interface. Um, and so internally, I've been planning events with the government, you know, ceremonies and stuff like that for at least two or three years. So it was an easy segue. My wife's background, she has a master's degree in event planning from GW. And so she's done a lot of stuff. And it, it was a really cool transition to move across country like that. And then coming back, I realized the industry didn't really appreciate my skill set anymore. They wanted people who had these hard skills. And I need you to have 12 years of Splunk admin experience out of high school. You know, I was like, I can't provide that to you. So it actually was kind of yeah. difficult finding a position that was flexible enough for my skill set and the boss that actually understood me. Yeah. And you you found that like thankfully, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it did. It, it took a while, um, you know, talking to people, applying, researching, and, you know, you know, getting back into, you know, I think going through the interview process, I realized what I needed to refresh on. The information is still somewhere in my brain, just needed to get turned on again. Going to the good thing I think about having a master's degree, you're not going to forget everything. You spent two years getting it ingrained into every being of your pore of your body. It's there somewhere. Yeah, there, there's no situation I can think of like right now off the top of my head where like you step away for two years and like things are gonna be completely different. Like just thinking about where you know Kyle and I have stared at for the last four or five years, like it hasn't changed much. If if you have those skills, it's like riding a bike, and someone's gonna need that somewhere, right? Yeah. Just not, find not, that place. Not everyone needs Splunk right away. I didn't even know Splunk was a thing. I remember, I remember everyone. You you bring up Splunk, and that's like bad memories for me. I just remember someone like busting into my office, uh, boy, like eight years ago, and be like, "Hey, we need a Splunk server." I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like that is not a thing." Like, "Oh yeah, it just aggregates all the logs and blah blah blah. You can run reports." I'm like, "I don't know what that means." Here's a YouTube clip. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, right? right. Here's a YouTube. So that's a good thing that like, you know, as we're like figuring out things, you know, the hit on, and I don't actually know the answer to this. Like, so your thoughts on cyber degrees versus certifications. I know we, everybody has their opinions on certifications out there and all of them. And you, I know you probably, I know you have a few of them that you got along the way. Yeah. But, so yeah, I picked starts. up, I picked up a, a network plus security plus um, CEH, um, server ethical hacker. And then um, a new one, my most recent one is Eastern Council certified encryption specialist. And I'm what? Can now, you say uh, that one more time? What is that? EC Council Certified Encryption Specialist. Certified well, Encryption Specialist. I'm going to type this in real fast, Sam. <laughs> and currently I am studying for my CISSP and ECSA. Man, this is nonstop. So why do, you feel like, why do you feel like you have to do all those? I mean, me personally, I like the structured learning. I think you can learn without certifications, yes, but from a structured learning perspective, here's a set of information pertaining to a specific topic that you want to learn this topic. Somebody somewhere on some board has said, hey, here is some information about this topic. You can learn it. You can take a test that says, hey, I learned this to a good enough point where someone can quote unquote certify me. And I can say, I know this enough to talk about it intelligently. And so, you know, I think having a degree is great. I think it's needed but not necessary from a functional standpoint. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. if you're a new person coming into cyber, making these decisions about spending money on a degree versus certifications, it kind of depends on your goals. Like, do you want to go somewhere and get paid a lot of money off jump just because, or do you want to actually have the technical skill set to back yourself up in case you lose your job? So, you know, you know, I can see both sides of the coin, but I think they're both needed. I don't think either one's right or wrong. I think it just depends on what your goals are, your particular position at a certain point in time. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't, I don't really see, uh, I don't know. I, I, I get kind of disappointed looking at like our industry not having like a requirement from cert sometime. Like where, where you, you get to, and we might have talked about this on a previous podcast, but like you'll see the people just like, they're just billable butts and chairs that can breathe because they fill the requirements. Right. And like, you don't, they're not trying to push themselves. They're not going out and doing the, the, the professional development and they're yeah. not, you know, uh, obtaining certifications and you just kind of get like disillusioned sometimes where it's just like, why am I here? Like, you know, you're here busting your butt looking good. Meanwhile, the, the same sloth down the street or down the cube wall, <laughs> he's in the same boat. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand how you can be in cyber honestly and not have the innate desire to grow professionally because oh, yeah. the industry, at least for me, I've gotten interested in different areas at different times in my career. And so, you know, now I find myself in a position where I have interest in, you know, your pen testing and, and training. That's the area that I like. So I yep. want to learn more about it. I want to find out, you know, what governmental requirements at a federal level impact training requirements at the private and public level. You know, from a pen testing perspective, how can I advance my skill set to actually add value somewhere? Have you seen anything that like this really just lacking in that space that you just talked about? Like anything that like you, you feel, I don't know. I don't know if that's some secret sauce you can yeah. give up, like root or I think well, we'll say from a training perspective, I've noticed that everyone tends to focus on the low-hanging fruit. So you're looking at people, let's do our hey, let's do our annual training. You know, here's our annual training for the entire company. Um, but what I do in my current role is I look to try to develop specific role-based training based on people's roles and responsibilities, which is a little bit, a lot more nuanced and a lot more difficult to find trainings and track trainings at a large scale level. And so, but if you do that, you do it right as part of a holistic program, you can actually impact the organization and their security posture on top of just like your developers and your, your annual cybersecurity awareness. So, you know, unfortunately, it's one of those things like everything else, defense in depth, so to speak, not to use an old buzzword, but, you know, a layered approach allows you to <laughs> have a better outcome. It's, a pr it's, it's okay. I, I think it makes sense. It fits the context. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still true. <laughs> do, you, do you find that your uh, background in quantum uh, encryption will help you in the EC Council Certified Encryption Specialist? Mm -hmm. Absolutely <laughs> not. However, <laughs> I will say I got an interview at MITRE because of my understanding of quantum cryptography when we were looking for a um, full-time job at the grad school. My man. Nice. I, yeah. Like, <laughs> I had a whole conversation about quantum crypto with somebody on the phone. <laughs> and they're like, could, just fly up here I, and we'll just have to talk to you some more. Oh, man. I still, I remember like little nuances. I tried to find that paper recently. I can't find it. I think I have it somewhere. If I have it, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Post in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want to read about quantum cryptography? It was like 25 pages. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you see that all the time with the certifications versus like degrees all the time over the InfoSec Twitterverse, right? Like, what should I do? Can I have guidance? Like, and I always tell students, if you want to get it, get it. You know what I mean? Because we're all in the teaching, you know, VC uh, is going teaching at, you know, you know, we're both teaching uh, and it's like, I have students ask all the time, should I do this and that? I'm like, if you feel like you should, definitely do it. Yeah. You know, but if you're gonna ask my opinion, I'm probably gonna tell you no, unless it's a, a categorical, like of some, some of it, right? If it's like practicality, to me yeah. it's like practicality that comes into it. And that's how I at least I try to teach is like, I don't wanna lecture for you for three hours. I wanna lecture for, with you for an hour and a half and then give you another hour and a half yeah. of like, let's walk through something, let's do something, let's start the homework, get your hands in it so you can apply those skills you learn. So like there's certain certifications that I think meet those and some of them just don't. They're just like, you know, you know, question answer based and like people like me, I don't thrive in that. Like yeah. I probably couldn't take past CSSP right now if I tried. Because I'm going to second guess questions, and I'm like, like, I'm not a good test taker. Like at the end of the day, but if you're like, let's you know, let's study this, like you know, the the OSCP style, like let's study this and then let's yep. do it and mm -hmm. do something. I'll probably be more likely to pass that type of test. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's one of those things that people have different skill sets and the way they process information that has to be taken into account when looking at certifications. But, you know, unfortunately, hiring is an HR function, not a, uh, a cyber function. Yeah, unfortunately. You know, unfortunately. And it, it sucks because, and, it's, and you know, Excuse I think some places, the smaller places are better at that hiring aspect. Like they're not looking at you for those check boxes at times. Mm-hmm. Because the company cares, you know, and they, those those HR people are, are actually ingrained with the smaller companies. But as it gets bigger, those HR people are just looking to check the boxes, and you could be the perfect candidate, and you don't have like two boxes checked. They're gonna, you're gonna move your resumes and get thrown outside. You know, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about Kyle or to Kyle about this before, where I've worked with guys that were history majors, but they were bright enough to, to take on some other challenge like in their life and they end up with, you know, a ton of certifications. They're completely relevant and they're really good at their job despite not having a background in computer engineering, computer science, information mm-hmm. science. And it, it, it just really, it, it's hard. I, I can't imagine uh, being in HR and seeing somebody's resume roll through and being like, Oh yeah, well this guy was, He's got all these certifications, but he went for history. History, yeah. And you're like, oh, what, what did we take a chance on him or not? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where where that really fits in as, as far as uh, the hiring scheme goes. And it's also hard to think about this, thinking about my TA from last year, about how hard it is for him as a new hire to come out. And in, in this world of like work from home and, you know, this, this shenanigans happening and everybody wants experience. I remember applying to jobs where everything was experienced, like everybody wanted experience based, you know, you have to have an internship or you have to have a, uh, you know, something somewhere. And I had nothing and you're like, how do I get a job out here? Yeah. Which, which of these are good? And like Kyle just said, like, whatever you think is good, I guess. I don't know. There, I, is there an answer? Do you, do you have a feeling on like which ones you would pick at this point? Uh, at this point, I mean, I tell everybody, get whatever you can. So if, if you're if your particular position lends yourself to be able to get more practical experience, get that. If your situation lends it to be able to get more certifications, get that. Get whatever you can to make yourself the most marketable. Because everyone's going to be in different positions. So, but there's always something you can do. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it, I think it may not I think be the it, right thing, but there's something you can do. Yeah, and I think with the, I mean, the internet is. Gro- you know grossly grown since like we were in school and like yeah. there's just so much out there now that you can even say like i don't have the money to get this certification but there's all these videos about like setting up servers and things like that and domain controllers and whatever that might be if that's what your world you want to get into that you can watch those videos and, and with msdm licenses that are free you can get a lot of free vms and stuff like that and do some of these things that if someone takes a chance on you brings you in for a conversation you might be able to nail it, right? Like maybe yeah. you don't look great on paper, but they take a chance and speak to you because you can't lie when you have a conversation with someone, right? You just can't anymore. Yeah, you know what? I would hate to be in your class because you would be a hard ass professor. I'm not sure if you know this, David, but in grad school, Kyle did not know how to code. Nope. Kyle taught himself how to code in grad school because we, yep. he had to, to pass a class and that kind of person, the rigor that you went through yourself there and have learned. Oh yeah. Like I would hate you when you're students, honestly. <laughs> I, I think I, I mean, I do hold a high level, but like I, I want them, uh, the approach is, you know, yeah, I've done a lot of things. I think that the kind of, you know, the middle finger to people, like I learned to reverse engineering because someone told me one time you can't reverse engineer because you don't have a programming background. Yeah. To me, it's like F you, 
Yes. You know, I'm going to show you I that was, I can do it. I was just thinking of that whole situation. Like, I, I've seen you do that with, you know. And, like, I surprise uh, myself. And, I you know, I have in, imposter syndrome like everybody else. But, like, what I tell my students is, like, I, I'm trying to give you the things that I wish I would have known 12, 13, 14 years ago to make sure that when you're 12, 13, 14 years out, you can look back and be like, man, I'm glad at least I knew that. And like, it, I get validated every now and then. And like, as everybody I think will, it, it, that teaches that like, I got an email from uh, a woman I had in class, you know, last year and like, she just randomly emailed me and it was like, Hey, how's things going? By the way, your class is like really, you know, come full circle for me in my job. I really appreciate the things I learned. And it's like, man, that those type of emails you're like man, that's, thank you i appreciate that like because like when you're teaching sometimes i'm like man is this gonna is it, am i conveying this right like you know and am i and am i like approaching this right and like for me it's just like i'm just trying to give you practical experience like and it's gonna yeah. suck and like it's like sometimes it's like jumping into the deep end of the swimming pool with like weights on you and you're gonna sink but if you tread water you'll keep your head above and you'll you'll survive until the end right yeah uh, yeah, I I, I I I have more hardness on like turning and work late versus like I'm an easy grader at the end of the day <laughs> for any students that might listen out there. Hey, it's probably because we spent our days in Hamburg, li literally living at Hamburg Hall for 20 hours of the day and then taking breaks at midnight and to go do whatever and run around randomly. <laughs> do you remember that little plastic skull we found? No. I don't remember this story. <laughs> we found uh -oh. a plastic skull, like like a Halloween prop or something, in somebody's okay. one of those study rooms. And me, you, and Doug went downstairs to the basement. And you and I were pushing Doug down a ramp. He was holding oh. a skull. He was screaming was like a jackal. <laughs> I, was I was about to bring up the story where we're pushing on the chairs in the basement. I remember that. Same chair. Same same story. Do you remember when I hacked the, the Pepsi? I didn't really hack it, but I... I yeah, I guess I hacked the Pepsi machine or Coke machine yes. in there. So they're the Coke, the old school machines that like would the, the bottle would traverse and fall on it and it would mm -hmm. come over. If you held the door shut with your hand, it'd be like, oh, it was, sorry, it wasn't a holder, it was a conveyor belt. It would be like, oh, you didn't you didn't want to drink. So it would be like it would like try again and and then the conveyor belt would go and the, the drink would still be on the conveyor belt and would spit your money back out. So then you put your money back in again and be like, oh, I want that same drink again. And it would, you had to be real quick because it would be, it just pop the one out, you grab it and pop two out. So you get two for one. This is all hypothetical. <laughs> hypothetical, theoretical experiment. I think they figured it out. The Coke and Pepsi's and, and yeah. Yes, yes. You did own that machine. You own that machine. <laughs> that was my machine. <laughs> <laughs> Might have got two for ones a lot of times. I tested. Well, the old the old school Coke machines used to have a diagnostics menu you could get into if you hit the right button press. Do you remember sure. like the ones that had like the you know the full? I want to say like one by three rectangle of of what you wanted. Oh, yeah. And if you hit them in the right order, I think it was like four one two two four one two two one. Like you could get into the service menu and change all the the options for what the <laughs> what the prices were. And oh, I would have been angry. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly allegedly so you look that up look that up in your free time but the, i don't know the, the newer machines must be smarter because of people like kyle yeah yeah <laughs> changing the coke industry <laughs> yeah right uh, what, what do they call that what do they call that uh i don't know you're, you're one of those 
Oh man, what is the word? No, no, no. It was like you're like a time man of the year, but not the time man of the year. What is the other one? Like you're a uh, you're disruptor, Kyle. That's what you are. You're just a disruptor. (laughs) I do remember like times like seeing if we could on on CMU campus. There was a time where like I'm pretty sure it might still exist. Like you can go to like you can go almost the entire campus out going outside. Remember when we did that? Yeah, we the whole campus had I think they had a class B network for the school. And so we were laying in the grass on our, on our Wi-Fi just working. And do you remember um, our Hacking Exposed class with Chris Procise? Yeah, I do that. I remember that class. It was on Saturdays from like 10 to 3. He would bring in yeah. pizza. He'd bring and we, would pizza. Plug in, we would plug into the network in the room. And everyone was <laughs> with all the same network. Yep. Oh, good times. Packet sniff, everybody. <laughs> yeah, they would buy us like, there were like, you know, 20 people in class and he would buy like 30 pies. So these guys ran, they were one of the original founders of Foundstone, which was bought by McAfee back in yeah. the day. And they both like Chris Procise and Will Chang. Uh, Will's Will something, I'm not sure of last Will, name. Yeah. yeah, they taught the class with Earl Crane, mm-hmm. who was a TA or, or, or maybe he wasn't TA, but he just graduated or something like that and he came back. But basically they like sold, they were one of eight founders. So they had like, billion dollars in cash because they like found don't <laughs> mcafee bought Foundstone for cash not like stock options on anything it was like cash so these guys were like living large like i don't know they were they was like oh we'll come teach at cmu for the weekend they're they flying from new york get out of here oh they were cool guys too and like super practical class and that's the class like i tried to emulate to this day because i would say our years at cmu at heinz were the most technical and the best ever. And I'm sure there's a couple before and a couple after, but like, I think ours were the prime, the amount of class, technical classes we had that like sort of overextended the, the policy and the management side, but like just the practicality you got out of those classes, so. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed our small group. I think we had maybe what, 12 people, 14 people oh, yeah. total. They're, they're up to like program. 40 now. Oh gosh, I can't imagine that large group. Yeah. We, were, we were all pretty close-knit. Yeah. I guess like a little small family because we were all in the same room for so long together. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know how much cash they paid for Softstone or for Stonesoft? Not Foundstone. Foundstone, I'm sorry. You, you don't eight, know how much eight, it was? 800 million. It was something ridiculous. It was maybe I'm maybe I'm extending too far, but like I know that because Foundstone was one of the original like security consulting mm-hmm. like firms, like niche, like real niche. I still have I found a CD from Foundstone, like Hacking Web from like probably 2007 that I found when I was cleaning off my bookshelf the other day. It just fell out of a book. I was like, hacking exposed. I was like, I don't even know how to get this onto my computer. <laughs> how would you feel about $86 million in cash coming your way in a, in a dump truck just backed up to your front door? I'll, I'll be okay. Cause that's I'll what free. they got. Can I get that in Bitcoin? Yeah. Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I think I'm not sure who it was. So it might have been you, I don't know. In grad school, someone had told me about Bitcoin like the last semester and was like, hey, you want to invest in this? And of course, I, I was saving for a wedding then. So I was like, no, I need to save my money for my wedding. <laughs> and I wish to this day, I wish I had just put $100 down. Yep. So, so I didn't, it wasn't me because I didn't come across it 
I like I heard about it, but I remember at when I spoke at DEF CON in 2012, 2013, someone was trolling around Sahara, which no longer exists, but now it's SLS and going back to Sahara or whatever. But they had a machine there where they're printing out like your own Bitcoin and they were giving you like half Bitcoin for like whatever it was back then, pennies on the dollar. Like, and I still remember like them printing it out in like the, those long quarter hallways, like by all the conference rooms being like, nah, that's, those guys are stupid. Stupid crypto yeah. guys. <laughs> stupid crypto guys. Stupid quantum crypto idiots. <laughs> <laughs> what do they know? <laughs> I wrote a paper on that. I know more than they do. <laughs> and then you walked <laughs> away. <laughs> I walked away. Wholeheartedly. Oh, Wholeheartedly, man. I remember Dale uh, in, in my office, like we, we talked to Dale a couple weeks ago. I remember like Dale coming in and being like, oh yeah, I mine Bitcoins in my free time. I stopped, I stopped spending all my money on work, World of Warcraft and now I, I, now I mine Bitcoins all day. I'm like, dude, I don't understand what that is. He's like, well, it's a cryptocurrency. And like, he was su like super smart Dale. He just dailed me for like an hour and I understood nothing what he said. <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand how you can have money that's not real money. So this is disinteresting to me. Hey, but when you think about it, is any money real money? Uh, I mean, oh. I can hold it. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's I don't have different. cash. I have, I have a plastic card in my wallet. It tells <laughs> you money on it. That's the, that's the money machine. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Every time someone's like, hey, like, you know, this is XYZ. I'm like, do you have Venmo or PayPal? <laughs> yeah, I didn't get Venmo because of Kyle. I don't even know. I hadn't have a Venmo until about a month ago. I was so scared of Venmo, not scared. I was so scared for my friends on Venmo because they don't use the right privacy settings. So sometimes I just go read what people are doing. Yeah. <laughs> who they're paying. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Thanks. But what, uh, if you can explain uh, the right privacy settings of Venmo in one word, what would they be? On. Turn <laughs> <laughs> them on. Yeah. Like, by default, everybody in the world can see your transactions. Yeah, I should not know that Molly in New York paid John <laughs> in Florida for their airline trip. I should not know this. That, that yeah. is correct. Yeah, uh, well, I was well, I was well spoken. I was so worried about PayPal back in the day. I was like, I'm not going to use PayPal. PayPal is associated with eBay, and eBay is like, yeah, I mean, pirates. Yeah. yeah, pirates everywhere. Now we don't have any Bitcoin. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, you're Bitcoins. Yeah, man. Hey, Fifty Cent had a bunch of Bitcoins. Remember that? Is that a real story? Remember when we saw the Winklevoss twins when we were in Vegas? Oh, last year? We were at Cabo Wabo. <laughs> we were at Cabo Wabo at uh, Planet Hollywood having brunch, like, well, you know, 9 a.m. brunch, right? You know, and we look over and, like, like this stocky little guy walks in, like, with the earpiece and, like, looks around. And then like goes leaves and comes back and like the Vinkovoss twins roll in and sit down at the table and like they had security. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, no offense. I just. <laughs> yeah, I I know, I know. I thought the same thing. And we're like, I was like, oh, the Vinkovoss. I think they're the Vinkovoss twins. And we were like, Dina and David and I look back and they look back and like, yeah, it's definitely the Vinkovoss twins. And all I, mean, I could think about was the social networking like uh, movie. But I, I can understand why they would have it based on how much Bitcoin they own. Yes. It, it makes sense there. But outside of that, there's no need no. security, sir. Um, why, why are they hanging out at Cabo Wabo at, at brunch? They were hungry, like, obviously. What, did they do everything together? Is that just kind of their thing? They, yeah, I don't have a twin brother, so I can't really speak to that. Um, 
experience that you know of. I have a regular brother, and I know that we will not be doing that. <laughs> yeah, it was, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. Good times. Man. Good time. Have you met the, you go back to campus at all outside of like teaching? Do you walk around campus and think about how things were easier when you were a student? Oh, Christ. Um, I think about how I'm glad I'm not a student. <laughs> yeah the the hours we spent studying and like i mean anybody can attest to this the you know, the ones that you know you when you the hours you've been studying and like i would think about the shitty apartment i had and like <laughs> how shitty i ate and like and how much i drank and like when i could like i'm just like man yeah, yeah. i should have like went to the gym a little bit more and like and the funny thing is i also started jujitsu back then and like yeah. stopped it on and off like that I'm now still back into it and I'm still at the same level I was like that year. Like I don't have any regrets, but like every time I'm like, God damn it. Like, but I remember I had a dining room table in my apartment that had no table and chairs. <laughs> you did. Yeah. I never, you, I never, can you explain never, that a little bit further? <laughs> I had a table, but no chairs. <laughs> I didn't like invite anybody to my place. I was, it was abysmal. It was like, was it like a, a straight table? Yeah, I think no, I, was like a, one, I went to your apartment one time. <laughs> yeah, I did. I don't remember. Probably the last time, too. You're like, yeah, there's nothing to do here. We should probably go somewhere else. <laughs> Kyle's place sucks. It did. It did. Oh, boy. Same year was fun. I missed, I did, my first year there, I was, I think, borderline depressed due to your beautiful weather that you had. told me a dream. <laughs> it, was, it was nice and sunny and then i come back in the fall and it was like nice oh see they got you that's how they, it did, they definitely got me the second year i got a lot more involved with campus life and outside of hamburg hall try to do things so it was a lot, a lot more fun you know yeah, you were head uh, of the uh weren't you president of um i was president of the black graduate student organization yeah, that's right i remember that. which i love their budget the same way i love the budget of the Heinz from <laughs> committee <laughs> I would, Kyle would always be the lone white guy at our events. <laughs> I'd be like, Kyle, we're throwing blank. And Kyle's like, I'm there. Because he knew I had well, he knows. in coins or whatever it was. Yeah, I was also supporting you. I mean, come on. I, mean, was, I was there for was. the free drinks. I'm not going to lie. I'm probably there for the free drinks. And the Kyle, Bitcoin. If we're talking about anybody that get free things, I think Doug went like two years ever paying for like one meal a day. Because he found every free. Every free event on campus. Do you, you remember the Every day somewhere. Do you remember the Tepper Business School happy hours we'd go to? They had keggers. Yes, I recall those. That was great. Um, yeah, I was I was the lone, you know, the lone white guy. It was all right. I I mean, yeah, it was it was cool. You know, we're all in grad school. We all need a break to drink. Yeah, and like you know, di diversity was good, and like I I mean, I had a great time all around always. Yeah, I, mean, I think that was when when you convinced me to try Yingling. Why would you do that to Brandon? Why did you do that to him? And I just came out of like like undergrad where we used to do Jaeger bombs like to start the night. Yeah, yeah not Yingling bombs. It's the same. Yeah, Yingling oh, is different than Jaeger. You numbnuts. <laughs> I heard. I heard. I heard Jaeger in my head. <laughs> Yingling bombs. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm slayed. <laughs> 
I yeah, remember Kyle, Kyle you got me. Kyle had his own picture of Ying Ling with orange slices at the top. Get out of here! No, no, that was that was Blue Moon. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. That was Blue Moon. I remember. It was that probably picture. Yingling too. Do you have pixels? Yeah, are there, we used are to there we used to go to the bar. Oh, we used to go to Mario's in in Shadyside, and like we got to know the bartender from throwing the parties there. Like when we'd have like, not only do we have like the the Heinz prom, but there used to be like happy hours we used to throw monthly too. So yeah. we had like, we had 15 grand a semester, so we'd spend like half of it on the prom, and the rest spread over like happy hours for everybody. So we got to know like the bartenders at like five or six different places where we'd walk in on a normal night and like they'd be like hey bc kyle hey come over and like wave us over and like as a disclaimer these were educational events that we were networking <laughs> yes. for yes that's correct <laughs> yes networking you know did, did mario bring students around. together did mario's bring the wheel for you guys to spin what they were at these when they were at these events we were always upstairs on that that, that oh, okay. balcony you can get to spin the magic wheel Spin the magic wheel. Man, good times. It's good times. Man, BC, it's been good, great having you on. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate you guys uh, you know, having me on for this hour so I can drink my drink and then I can go back and tend to my, my daughter and see what she's doing. Back yeah. to dad mode, man. Congratulations again. You're free. I'm glad we can uh, get you out of there for a little bit. Definitely say hello to Brandy. Yeah, you know, she was uh, mad at you. You didn't say hi before. Well, I didn't. I didn't want to interrupt. Like she had the kid and like all that stuff. And, like you like, how did you say hi? I mean, I did mentally. <laughs> I was, like, oh. was at my. He was at my bachelor party and my wedding. <laughs> oh man, that was the bachelor party was probably like I would say besides mine and like one other bachelor party. Like BC, your bachelor party was number three on the list. Oh man, sure. that's it. We seem to do over like two days. So it was Thursday <laughs> on a Friday. So we Thursday, shot guns one day. Okay, Thursday we went to the, the club. range. No, was it was range Thursday? Or was it the next? Yeah, Friday? we went to range Thursday and Friday we went to like K Street Lounge or something. Yeah, park, park at fourteen. Park at fourteen. That's it. And we're supposed to go to the driving range too, but everybody was too hungover the next nope. day. Imagine that. It was it was great. That place we had a great time. I mean, I'm I I can think of a picture. I still have a picture from that night. We had like one of those like fancy photos from one of the photographers that night. Oh, nice. I had a slick. I think I had a slick velvet jacket on too, or something. You would. You would definitely, definitely clean that night. Uh, <laughs> that's when I was still trying to hold on to my hair too. So I had like, I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. You, who's got that picture? Can Can you post that on your uh, Facebook or your your Twitter or something? Can we Instagram <laughs> anything? I got to see this picture. I'll yeah. dig it up. I'll find it. Thank you. Please somewhere. find it. I think I have some too somewhere on some social media. I will send you the post to your your followers. That's <laughs> just sure. <laughs> oh man but it's been great having you on i mean we can go on for hours like we, this is the thing we can like talk for hours that's the problem uh, with the podcast yeah Definitely the problem. one day we'll have in person and maybe at conferences in the future we'll like you know set up shop and have people in but how can people get a hold of you man how can how can what, where's what's your avenue of communication if someone wants to reach out uh linkedin i'm at brandon j carson instagram at brandon j carson Twitter at Brandon J. Carson. <laughs> so I'm pretty consistent across the board. <laughs> do you have do you have an ICQ? <laughs> I didn't you probably do. Uh, well, not one that I've used recently. Right. <laughs> um, um, and if you go to Facebook, I don't know you, well, I will certainly not respond to your request. Right. Well, I'll link I'll definitely link your LinkedIn in there for everybody to reach out to you that way. Um, 
like I said, been great this having you on. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Brandon. Definitely. Cheers, guys. Cheers. And like as we always like to say in closing, stay thirsty. <laughs>